and welcome to another episode of the Rethinking H2O podcast, where every week we explore different stories around water that include safe water projects, trends in the water space, and blue mind. We hope you enjoy listening, and now here's your host, Kevin Sofen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rethinking H2O podcast. In today's episode, we're excited to do our first book review on the book The Great Lakes Water Wars by Peter Anin. We're going to dive into Chapter 5 called Reversing a River. And interesting enough, the cover of the book shows Chicago. And this story will dive into the history of Chicago and how it reversed the river and changed the lake and the river forever. Chicago. A population of 7 million people nuzzled along the seemingly never-ending horizon of Lake Michigan possesses one of the most unique relationships with water. Throughout major moments in history, such as the Chicago Great Fire in 1871, the Second Ever World Fair, and the Cubs winning the World Series, the impact and importance of this relationship with water grows each and every day. In the late 1800s, Chicago realized it is difficult to maintain a healthy population if you drink your own defecation. Because Chicago took all its drinking water from the pump systems just about a mile off the shore, the growth of human defecation became a serious problem when it got into the drinking water, leading to a widespread cholera outbreak. This thought of drinking human waste disturbed many and forced Chicagoans to act. To combat this issue, Chicago ingeniously built the Chicago Ship Canal, which connected the Chicago River to the Mississippi River Plain. Genius. Let's just sh- ship our waste down to St. Louis, who then joke that they bottle it back up a beer and sell it to us, which is, for the most part, true. This reversal allowed Chicago to do a few things. Keep the drinking water clean, open up the shipping capabilities, and of course, move all the human excretions down to St. Louis. Throughout this process, St. Louis tried to sue Chicago in court, but lost because they were technically doing the same thing with their waste to their downstream neighbors. Throughout much of the Mississippi River Plain, and many water laws around the United States, the common belief is that dilution is the solution to pollution. So, it becomes commonplace to just pass all their waste down to downstream neighbors without any true ramifications. Over time, Chicago, living true to its Windy City roots with its creative interpretation of the law, managed to maximize its water diversions from Lake Michigan, which then caught the eye of other Great Lakes states, who then, in turn, began to sue Chicago for its continued careless diversions. But because Chicago's suburbia was growing and struggled to utilize the questionable groundwater, it needed to ask for more water. There's so much water in Lake Michigan, why not just expand the intake pipes a little bit, right? To no surprise, Chicago represents the largest diversion of the Great Lakes, with 2.1 billion gallons per day of water diversion. Chicago is now grandfathered into its bad water habit diversions, but this has brought up heated debate about the topic of diversions on the Great Lakes, such as, who is the right to divert the water? How much water? For what reasons? The questions go on and on. But maybe no question is more important than, what is the geographic limit of Lake Michigan Water Service Supply Center? Missouri? Colorado, California, China? The big fear is that if we continue to divert all the water from the Great Lakes, that our landscape could turn into the Aral Sea disaster. The Aral Sea will require its own Rethinking H2O podcast, but in short, the Aral Sea is one of the worst human-induced environmental disasters. The Soviet government siphoned off water going into the Aral Sea with the hopes of growing their cod industry, which has forever changed the environment and the economy, mostly for the worst. Once the fourth largest lake in the entire world, the Aral Sea now stands at just 10% of its initial size. In addition to the large-scale diversions, 
Our laws do not adequately cover diversions in volumes smaller than 5 gallons. Nestle and other consumer product good companies get away with diverting Lake Michigan water for free one half-liter bottle at a time. In summary, the reversal of the river allows Chicago to do a few things. Have access to seemingly abundant source of water in the Great Lakes, the ability to discharge or contaminate wastewater downstream, and then turn Chicago into a navigational shipping powerhouse. With all these changes came positive stories of growth, but also some extreme externality costs that we're only beginning to realize. So when you think about it, when you create the door for something to go out, you now create the door for something to come in. This leads us to our next Rethinking H2O podcast about the risk of invasive species coming in the Chicago Ship Canal, particularly the Asian carp. Tune in to our next episode to learn about this pesky invasive species and how it's wreaking havoc throughout the Mississippi River Plain. This Asian carp has the ability to single-handedly change the entire ecological makeup of the Great Lakes. So let's make sure we do something about this. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Rethinking H2O podcast. If you liked today's episode, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media at Responsible. And stay tuned for future episodes of the show. We'll see you next time on the Rethinking H2O podcast.